podcast name in the podcast game. Ken and Mila are the unacceptable podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's unacceptable podcast. This is kind of our our calm before the storm because. <laughs> We uh, we have a lot of spicy guest episodes coming up. Um, yeah, I was on a, a live stream yesterday for like three hours. Um, I'll try to link that. So there's just been a lot of potting lately. I'm going to crack open the claw to commemorate. Cheers. Cheers, fam. How are you, Ken? I'm good. My tits are pretty big right now. Um, I played Fuck, soccer. I'm jealous. <laughs> Can you uh, like teach I me wish your I ways? Could share. <laughs> I, I, honestly, not that we're gonna do this. Not that I don't think anybody needs body modification surgery. Uh, <laughs> but like hypothetically, though, if if you if I cut the fat from my tit and put it in, on in your tits, <laughs> <laughs> redistributing um, the wealth. Y- <laughs> I guess so. It's pure ideology. You know. <laughs> um, we got a soundboard. Yeah, we got a soundboard going. It's it's we're gonna keep adding to it. Um some of it is uh some of it we've taken requests from people, such really? as this yeah, such as this one. I'm going to kill myself and it's your fault. Uh like that's from that's from friend of the pod, young Heezy. Uh so so yeah, if you got a soundboard request, I guess let me know. But I, we might not listen to you. Um, so yeah, so sorry, your t- your tits are big. Tits are big. I played soccer today. Uh, How it felt was that? so good. Did you have to wear sports bra? No, they're not that big. They uh-huh. I carry it well. Mm-hmm. I I ran away. I ran a race with this ninety five pound kid, and I felt so powerful. Oh, that's fun. Great. I exploded down the wing. <laughs> love it yeah so this is your first episode back in vancouver oh we weren't gonna tell anybody we're gonna pretend oh, in Montreal. okay right sorry Bootsy's uh, not back. i failed guys i failed to you be didn't in Montreal. Fail. don't please don't patronize me Mila. i'm not patronizing your master's you. degree <laughs> moving to no. montreal doesn't fill the void it we didn't fill that. the void and it i spent all my syrup and now i'm back isn't there more i've syrup? just given up there's a few more serves, but I've just given up, guys. This is not that important, but it is something that I need to say. That's I fine. came to the realization that I don't have the, 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 either the incentive or the competency to be a good employee, and it's and like it, this is like the most millennial shit ever. But like, I just it's just not gonna happen. I'm just not gonna stand on my feet for like right, right now. So I just like, given up for a time. Subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know, and I can't be the only one going through this. Uh... I don't think you are. I think you know the way that imp- we're in like a weird period of history when it comes to employment because I think the like the workplace and like the nature of work is changing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And um... See, I was suspicious of that for like so long, mm-hmm. and I and I thought the left was like blaming if I'm just going to speak super broadly and not like mm-hmm. with any venom venom, but like, and I'm not alone in this, like was kind of blaming personal failures on like oppressive systems, mm-hmm. like constantly. Uh, and now I'm coming around to it. So it's, it's, the yeah. 
Well, it's not even like it doesn't need to be like a moral claim where you're like, oh, how dare these individual capitalists ruin my life. It's just like this these series of social relations. It's not like one person's fault or another. It's just the way that we've uh, progressed. And um, it's true that like work is changing and, you know, there's more automation uh, which will become a serious problem and will disrupt the way that things are going. And so I think people are right to, you know, question uh, whether they're like... Question whether, everything. Yeah, just question everything, you know? Like, I don't know what that's from, but it's, it's like a meme. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, it's good. And I think it's good to question like how our, our social relations and our history has impacted where we're at today. So... I mean, I, I yeah, you don't need to necessarily moralize to do that. My hot take. You guys, I got to be honest. I don't know. Uh, what was that? It was Anthony Kiedis saying, yeah. <laughs> it just sounded like... <laughs> from my end. There's a way to do it that it's like directly into the... Into the sound. Screen, yeah, we I'm don't not, know. We don't know yeah. about this. Okay. Sorry. So you're saying... So I'm saying we need to do a, t- a Twitter poll if I should continue to podcast or Mila should continue without me. Mm, I I think that you are pretty vital to the pod. I'm going through like postmodern nihilism. Like everything is a narrative. Radical Marxist postmodern. Type. Literally. <laughs> no, <laughs> if I cut him off, Jordan Peterson was saying radical liberal or that fuck. What, what Whatever. Radical Marxist. Let's hear him again. Let's hear him again from the Manning Club. Marxist postmodern type. <laughs> exactly. But um, um, everything is just a narrative, and no one, good faith is so hard to find. But it's mostly just because I just like failed to speak articulately and bravely, and then I, I do that. I mean, I don't know. I've heard really I'm good like feedback. I'm a politician. Like, I'm doing it right now. No, this but is I've heard. Retarded. I, I'm talk- I, Listen. <laughs> Listen up, bitch. Listen, listen. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this the other day, and like when I was on the stream last night, I was also thinking about this. And I think that conversations are actually one of the best ways, or one of the best mediums right now, because I was thinking like, let's look at conversations in contrast to like videos that people make of just themselves talking. Or I'm videos. way more on that though. See, I don't like I prefer a conversation because I prefer an environment where either person can receive pushback right away. But I don't push back because also we're on Zoom and I'm like because I'm a coward and two because it's like do I really want it's like Well you're pushing back right now. Yeah, but but like it's not we have a such a good faith rapport that there's it there's no like you know what I mean? It's not the same. Right. Um no, but I do think that like conversational stuff is a really good medium. Um, but are we performativizing the the beauty of conversation? I don't know. Is conversation inherently beautiful? I th- I think so. I don't mean, you? I think you do too. I, I yeah, I I do like I do dig convos, and I do also am really like I really am into the idea of having discussions. Um, and I think, you know, in every conversation, I think there's like a misconception that people, um, like some people don't hold back or so, sorry, some people hold back and then, but most people don't hold back. And I think the reality is, is like, we have a personal brand 
and everybody. That's what's so depressing. Is everyone? It's depressing, but it's brand. inescapable. And I, I and I think that you know everybody's gonna hold back from saying something, but at least in a podcast, you always, if you want it, you always have the opportunity to say your piece. And that's I true. and I think that like that's what differentiates it from something like there's something I can't stand about like these formal debates or like these formal speeches that seem so fake and just so like you know there's like 20 people that edit it and like you can tell that it's like so carefully analyzed to like suit a certain amount of suit certain demographics or pander to certain people and yeah i i this is why i prefer just having a conversation yeah that's i'm just i'm just laughing because i watched the some classic norm finkelstein i'm i'm sure as far as i understand our viewers they're all very aware of what a gangster this guy is <laughs> when he, the girl was crying and everyone's like shouting and he's like can we can we hit the please shut up <laughs> <laughs> i fucking love that so much well anyways but then but then you're like fetishizing like extreme individual disagreeability and we can't live in that society yeah i mean i think you know and i was talking to people i'm in a group chat today about finkelstein and um, I mean, everyone, the people who like him really admire him and the people who hate him really hate him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, the, the respectable thing about him is I think he is actually one of the few people who don't hold back at any mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Like he really um, says what's on his mind and he's not, he's kind of fearless in a way, in ways that I'm not like there's certain, there's so many things that he talks about that I'm like, these are things that I am genuinely scared to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, I mean, I think he's quite brave in, in mm-hmm. that respect. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of why some people respect him is because he's just like, you know what? You disagree with me. I really don't care. Like you're mm-hmm. crying right in front of me. I was crazy. Because even like, you know, some, I think if I saw somebody crying in front of me, that would throw me off a bit. Yeah, no, it would fuck me up. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> but it, sh- it shouldn't you know yeah and so for people listening this is um the norman finkelstein crocodile tears video this is kind of one of his more famous videos um so you guys probably know it but basically some student is in a q a with him and she starts crying and okay can i, can I it literally like it sounds like she's saying some people are german so don't bring up the holocaust like it like literally like it's the perfect storm of like ridiculous sensitivity that like right. like a caricature of like university student like crying about something stupid like right. can we, i almost wish we were in this, like we could watch the clip together because like jamie like, pull that shit up honestly because i i think she's like literally saying don't bring up the holocaust because some people are german or something yeah i mean it's i think she was saying like um because finkelstein is basically finkelstein's book and his work he has many books um basically what he's been saying is so his parents are holocaust survivors and he doesn't like that their like trauma is being weaponized to justify some of the stuff that israel's doing and i think he's likened some of the stuff that israel's doing to what the germans did uh to jewish people and then that girl found that offensive um so i think that was kind of why she was upset and I do see why people are offended by that. Um, but 
yeah, it is a very famous video for a reason. And I think because it does kind of highlight these heightened campus sort of <laughs> disputes. But what's unusual about it is that speakers in campus, when they're faced with confrontation, they don't usually like come back harder. Please, <laughs> let's hear it yeah. one more time. Yeah, like, please, turn up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man like that's not usual um and so like i remember one time i hosted uh, a talk and i had a prof speak at it he was talking about like france and the charlie hebdo thing and someone was went on this like ramble about how it was like offensive to talk about racism in france or something why because it's like offensive to the french people and then who aren't racist They're white. well anyway it was weird and then the prof was like can we please, like, he, he tried to de-escalate it, but he was just like, can we please get another question besides, is there racism in France? And, like, that was, like, the most pushback I've seen. And, and so, like, the Finkelstein thing is huge because, like, I've just never seen... Yeah, but that, that. that example, I know you, I know I'm, like, ironically furthering it, but, like, saying, asking if there's inquiring about racism in France, being racist towards French people, that's, like, mm -hmm. layers. There's, this shit there's is kind of eating itself. Yes. I have to look at it that way kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it does eat. It's like, I, I, and this is why I wrote an article recently called The Untenable Politics of Trauma. Um, and the reason why I think it is untenable is because you can just keep throwing this back at each other and being like, yeah, well, you can't say this to me because I've been through this pain. And then the person goes, yeah, well, I've been through this. So you can't yeah. say that to me. Yeah. And you can keep going back and forth. And my perspective is like, I don't really fucking care about your individual experiences. Like, I'm so, go see a psychiatrist. Like, whatever. It's not, this is not what I'm concerned with. Damn, I cold. I, oh, man. I'm, yeah. No, I agree, though. But what if we had, we should, I wonder who that girl, like, what her life is like now. Because she's probably, like, slightly famous from that video. We oh, yeah, on. that's a big video. We should surprise Norm with her and be like. <laughs> You'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> Be ridiculous, but it's like worse than getting Dershowitz on. Um, imagine he he joins the Zoom chat and he's like, "What the fuck?" We're oh gonna call God. him. He wants us to call him like yeah. next week. It's, yeah, we're, it's... we're kind of finding that kind of funny. But yeah, right we're we're very excited though. This is gonna be uh quite a quite an interview. Um, but yeah, I mean, what else is new this week? Uh, Aaron O'Toole got the nom. Okay. Conservative um, Party of Canada. Yeah, for the Conservatives. And I just can't get over that that's his name. Like, I just feel like Trump's gonna... You're being racist towards Irish people right now? No, the O is fine. It's the tool part that I'm like, hmm. And so, but like, I just feel like Trump is gonna roast us. But we can't, like, lim uh, pick our leaders on, like, the in his, like names. Yeah, we can. And we Who, should. Who's got a perfect name? Um, I think like Shane McGowan is such a perfect name. It's a pretty good name, especially for like the conservative Canadian. Yeah. O'Toole, along with Tool, comes from the Irish O'Toole. This derives from the personal name Tuathal. That sounds very Tolkienish, meaning yeah, ruler, ruler of the people, used by many Irish kings and heroes, and accordingly incorporated into a surname in a dis number of distinct areas. Among them, South, South Ulster, Mayo, and Kildare. That sounds pretty dignified. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. What was that sound bite? It was... uh, I don't trust like that. <laughs> um, but but I I mean I don't know I just think it's like such a weird name and I think like it's just gonna be like your tool you know. Wait, um, is Erno tool male or female? Male. Oh, okay. Yeah, they could not affirmative action in the party. I wanted the black female to win. Just that would have been more of like a action point. That that would have caused more of like that would be more interesting, but it would. They couldn't manage it. That would be like my first my first card. Did you know that the leader of the Conservative of Canada is black, actually? Oh my god. I mean, a black I, woman. There's gonna be so much insufferable identity politics though. Like I'm just gonna be yeah, like, we can't have that. <laughs> we can't Well, because <laughs> no, it's so annoying because Trudeau does it. Like every like I just want a leader that's like not gonna focus on that at all. Like I just wanna hear what they have to offer. Like I don't mm-hmm. care about your identity. Mm-hmm. Um, or to quote Bernie, he said, "It's not enough to say I'm a woman. Vote for me," um, which is apparently oh. a controversial statement. Really? Uh, yeah, people were like, "Actually, Bernie it is enough," and I'm like, what "Wow, the fuck? you guys are fucking retard." <laughs> I was just oh. like, I can't deal. "Anyway, yeah." So, I mean, I don't really know much about this O'Toole guy. Apparently, he's popular because he's socially lib on a lot of things like he's like apparently like pro lgbt or like he pays lip service to it what does that even mean in 2020 yeah i don't even it's just people being like i'm pro lgbt and that's it uh so yeah i mean i probably doesn't mean much um so yeah that's that's o'toole i don't really know what else he stands for he seems kind of run of the mill That's can- that's Canada news. We are we going to talk about our other upcoming guest? Uh, well, is that like a secret? Am I making it weird? Yeah, you're making it weird. I feel like it's like weird to talk about the upcoming guest. Okay, like, sorry. I thought we were okay. Fine. Let's but, talk about uh, COVID is still going. There was mm-hmm. a reinfection. Mm-hmm. It's so annoying. Like. Just, well, that means we have to just let it's like it's a, I don't know my don't instinct know. if if people can get reinfected I don't know like can we can we continue to live like this? No, but I think yeah. we're gonna have to. <laughs> but but why don't we just not? Well, I just don't like this idea of like going out and worrying every time. That's kind of what i'm thinking i kind of i'm kind of of the opinion like this is what i'd rather would have happened is that we all just rough it out for a little bit and wait till like nobody's infected and then we just go how okay all right how long is that gonna take i thought i don't know like wuhan finished no like they finished like now they're out doing their thing then they just kill a bunch of people they didn't kill people oh i heard they were just killing infected people no, that's from like Epoch Times. Wuhan killing infected people. I'm just going to Google it. Yeah, I guarantee it's going to come from Adrian Zenz or Falun Gong. <laughs> New York Times. I mean, I should talk to the New York Times. No, I know, but if you look at the sources, whenever you look at the sources of any China article, it's always like either Adrian Zenz or Falun Gong, and they're both psychos. And so I'm always like, 
I just want like proper reporting, please. Wait, Falun Gong is doing publishing newspaper articles as Falun Gong? No, but like they come up with these claims and then other newspapers listen to them and they publish them. But they're a religious cult. So I'm like, why? Okay. Like it's just weird to me. Um yeah, I mean I don't buy it. Uh, I don't want to change my opinion. Mm. Okay, I changed my opinion. I just don't like listening to religious cults. Whichever one they may be, I don't discriminate. Whether they're uh, Islamic or uh, or Falun Gong or uh, or Christian, we uh, we don't discriminate against religious cults. But um, how dare you? <laughs> uh, yeah. fuck. What? So, what? 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 I just think like I don't know. Maybe this is just like part of my mentality on a lot of things but i'm really into like just roughing things out at the beginning and getting the hard parts over with and then like reaping the reward afterwards so like for instance it's kind of like when you don't want to do a workout but then you're like i better just do it now so that i don't have to do it later and like think about it all day and then Mm -hmm. you're just kind of like okay yeah i'm just gonna rough it out and force myself to do it and then the rest of it you're like okay cool i'm done i can feel good now but I, I understood that, uh, like, if people can get reinfected, then there's almost no way to, like, fully contain this. Like, well, how you long... could do a better job containing it if you really make, like, if you take quarantine seriously and you everyone who is, like, who has it is isolated until it's Where, gone. But, like, okay, so we both have, like, I mean, I, let's just go me, for example. Like, I have, like, a basement that's my parents, but, like, poor people can't. Like I was when I was in Montreal, like there's like no way to quarantine. No one's gonna like do grocery shopping for me. I know, and I do think that's like a flaw in the system, right? So like in Wuhan and like in China, they had some programs where they were uh like they were bring food to you and bring you the needs that you or like the the necessities that you would need uh in order to make quarantine easier for everybody. I don't know if that's logistically possible here. I'm just like spitballing and riffing, but like ideally what I would have liked is to just have gotten it over with at the beginning. Cause now I just feel like we're lagging it. Well, how, what, so do, were people not taking it seriously in the beginning? I thought we were all taking it pretty seriously. No, I think at the beginning we were doing fine. It's just like now people are just like well i'm over it so i'm just gonna i'm one of those people i'm sorry i'm my quarantine is like it's like a strainer yeah i mean i don't blame you like there's really like i said like it's hard Mm -hmm. and um but yeah it's just unfortunate because i would rather just Mm -hmm. be done with it all i'm sick of it i'm tired of the shit you know yeah it's good it's good thing i'm I'm happy i live here in canada and vancouver mm-hmm. we are Probably, very lucky. i think it's like literally the best place in the world to be during covid i think so i think we're doing pretty well i mean there's some places doing a bit better than us um but we are pretty lucky in comparison to like the states mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah did you so did you watch any of the uh rnc dnc 
I have not. But you showed me some clips of the DNC when like Biden was not getting off the stage and they were like waving. So funny. So funny. Like it's ridiculous. It's like a bit. It's like a timid. It was like overwhelming. Like it felt fake. I know. It actually like and then that video of the like with the guy playing guitar and the guy in the dress with with, like the red and blue flag. That was kind of awful. That was so funny. Like Like, it, it. it had the perfect, like, Tim and Eric vibes. Did no one at CNN want to say that this is not good? Or, like, who makes that decision? The, I don't think CNN makes a decision for the DNC. And it's the DNC. Like, they're an organization. They decide. I guess, yeah, who... I guess nobody along the line was like, this is not good. <laughs> I know. Who advises them? Um, maybe it's a matter of taste. Like, maybe... Their target audience was like boomer. <laughs> I'm, boomer. I'm now imagining the phenomenon of people in a movie theater watching a movie with their parents, and their parents are taking it literally, and they're like laughing at everything. <laughs> kind of sad and weird, but it could be kind of cool. That's the vibe. Yeah. Um, and it was such a strange thing, and like the speeches were kind of strange. Yang got praised by some of the media, nice. um, like Vox. He made like this like comment where he was like, the thing about Biden is that like when he says something, then all of a sudden it becomes reasonable. And I was like, dude, what? What does he mean? Like he was saying, like if Biden introduces a policy, he can make it seem reasonable, and then that. Oh, so he's prepping everyone for the UBI, Biden. Like he's gonna get (laughs) friendly with Biden, take him out for coffee. I could see, (laughs) I could see Yang winning Biden over on a personal level maybe Fuck. we never know we like i think it's gonna be maybe it'll be like him and aoc in 2024 i don't i wouldn't i if if you're trying to get a ubi in, you have yang at the country club play around the golf with joe just a nice coffee on the balcony you don't bring aoc and her anger to this meeting you want to make it chill That's yeah not to the meeting okay. but i think like she's a careerist she's gonna try and Get Get in on on it. It. Okay, yeah. but don't don't let her don't let her have coffee with those two or the UBI with will those never guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right I know she I think she's pro UBI, but she's uh yeah, and Yang is like praising her during the like he was like simping for her on Twitter. <laughs> um and I was Yeah, that makes okay. I'm glad I'm not on Twitter. Uh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean there's his speech and then the RNC was very entertaining um kind of more or less the same sensationalism that the dnc would have um imager was all up in like we're finding it funny that they like didn't they copy and paste like sizable paragraphs of their platform yeah election and it was talking about how the current administration was like really fucked (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of funny that's so funny it's a good bit you know um yeah like part of me wondered like did they do that on purpose to get people to talk about it what but then i was like no that's that's, some like seven dimensional chess that's too conspiratorial so you think that they're now saying stupid things to get democrats on the internet to be incredibly annoying so trump wins the like honestly possible honestly when i say it like that well because (sighs) 
they're making it so that like democrats don't address policy at all they're just addressing like quirks that the republican party has right or they always address like quirks that trump has they've never like they're making it so that like this is what matt taibbi was saying too like they make it so that no one expects actual policy from them or anything Mm -hmm. you know um I mean, both the parties do this. Like, they have their aesthetic and they have, like, who they want to pander to or whatever. Um, but it's just funny that, like, you know, like, people take the bait. Like, they'll spend a week talking about something stupid. I remember, like, a few years ago when, like, Marco Rubio drank water while giving a speech and then that was, like, news <laughs> for a week. Why was... Wait, I, I vaguely remember about this. Didn't didn't someone in our Trump circle... made fun of him for drinking for, water? Why? I don't know. It was just some Trump thing. And then everyone was like, ha ha, he drank water. And it was like... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so the Democrats picked up on this to make fun of... No, him? no, no. Repu- like, Trump is did... a Republican? What? Yeah, he is a Republican. Okay, He's the, so... He is the worst kind of Republican, in my opinion. Like, I prefer Trump to Rubio um he's just awful he's like a old guard narco let's go through it because all of my assumptions uh, what what does he stand for well he's just like this classic neocon that just wants to go to war with everybody um and like let's castrate the illegal immigrants at the border no just kidding that's (laughs) awful well Um, he was saying that um like, I remember one time he was trying to threaten, uh, I think it was Venezuela, with like, oh, we're going to come in and do regime change. And he sent them a picture of like, Gaddafi being sodomized on Twitter. And being like, this will be you next. And I was like, damn, dude, like, you're literally tweeting like you're ISIS. To who? To Venezuela. Like, he was tweeting at the Whoa. Venezuelan government, this picture of Gaddafi. Oh, you raped. Yeah, and I'm like... <sighs> Are you twelve? Like you're you're a public servant. Um, oh, so yeah, I just have zero him and like Ted Cruz and all these neocons that just like are so war thirsty. Like, just no. We should we should invite people on to criticize us. Yeah. I mean, I feel like well, we, uh, here's you the thing: though, you, you have more skin in the game because you you're an actual Twitter presence and you're going to law school, so it's like not quite fair. And so be, everyone probably just would criticize you, and I'd be like, "Well, I just want to be criticized." Aww. Okay, let's not do that. Let's not. I just don't think that's gonna work. Like I thought it did at first. Um, I get a lot of criticism on Twitter. Maybe yeah, I, can, like, I know. Maybe I'll post them on the Patreon. <laughs> no no that's okay yeah um yeah today people got mad at me why what did, what did you say um i was talking about how like two things one of them you'll probably like and one of them you probably won't like okay perfect um so someone was trying to defend like the looting of small businesses and then uh aaron mate who's brother came on the show friend of the pod um tweeted about like how this is so stupid that like leftists would be alienating small business owners and um someone was like oh well protecting small business owners that's like right-wing narratives or whatever 
and I tweeted like, so then this is the thing you probably won't like. And I was, so then I responded being like, well, this is like, it's more that they're paying lip service to the small business owners because they're still uh, in bed politically with these like monopolies that are, and giving bailouts to these monopolies that are threatening the existence of small businesses and threatening the competitiveness of the market or whatever. And, and then people, both leftists and right, right wing people got upset because the right wingers were like, how dare you say that about right wing small business rhetoric. And then the leftists were like, small businesses are still bourgeois. And I'm like, and I'm just like, I hate you all. Like literally. Um, Because I think people don't understand, especially if you don't come from like an immigrant family. Um, that like a lot of immigrants come here and like there's literally nothing else they can do because they face so much discrimination in the hiring market. Um, And then they just start like their own little business. It's like a humble business. They're just like trying to get by. Um, All the employees are family members. They're like, you know, to moralize them and to like blame them for just like trying to make it, I think is just really out of touch and bigoted. So, well, beyond that, I think small businesses create value. Like, I'm just generally think businesses generally create value. Well, yeah, I mean, it's also like we don't want to let these like oligarchic monopolies take power. And like, I thought that like like it's very standard in Marxism to critique the monopolistic power of large businesses. So that's why I was like, this isn't even theoretically correct. And people don't like that. And so then, like, this guy started swearing at me, and I was like, I think you need to check your blood pressure. But that must just be, like, like maybe how many people see your tweets? I, don't know, I have about, like, I have, like, 7,900 followers, I think. I but, but the ones that get big... Or, or like yeah they end up yeah they're just usually like retweeted by someone bigger than me uh and then and then some a group doesn't like it like yeah and then different people don't like it and then i'm just like but that's the twitter like i mean i'm not like being like you know i i don't think i'm like a victim or whatever i think this is what i signed up for and so like like i'm not being yeah. like oh how dare they it's just kind of like it's funny because i'm like you know, I don't usually, especially if they're not even a public figure or whatever, like, I don't usually see the point in, like, swearing at someone and, like, angrily replying to them if I don't agree with them. I'm just kind of like, okay, I don't agree. Like, if I have a critique to offer, I'll critique it. But what I see happens a lot is that it's not, people don't really critique me. They'll just be like, you're an idiot. Or, like, (laughs) or the bigger bitch or like fuck you and i'm like okay thanks like what do you want me to do with that info um i'm happy to hear critique uh but like why are why are you mad you know that's kind of Mm -hmm. my hot take and i mean the worst i've seen it is when you talk about war Hmm. sure and so like i'm very seasoned on that front so Hmm. whatever you know especially in the Syria front when that guy kept calling me an Islamophobe. (laughs) Damn. I wonder how much our listeners engage with politics. Yeah. 
let us know in the comments. Um, do, do we have a comment? On the Patreon, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, and um, speaking of other cancelable offenses, the CBC recently had to apologize because they said the word Palestine on air. Fuck. wonder what base norm is going to think of that. Please, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so funny to me. Can, like, the guy literally wrote an apology, being like, I'm so sorry that I said that. Why? I don't understand. And I'm I like, can't even keep it straight anymore. Well, we're in this era of, like, the public apology, you know? It's like the No, I know, thing. but, 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 please. Like, I, I literally can't even keep politics straight. Right. I mean, is do you think... I'm becoming think, a boomer or because I'm just, I'm not as engaged as it was, like, seven months ago or something? I don't know. It's, like, worrying. <laughs> I mean, okay, like, I'm starting to really doubt the sincerity of anybody in these... <laughs> That's where my whole thing about I like, didn't finish. I, okay. You didn't right, let me sorry. finish. Right, go ahead. I said I'm starting to doubt the sincerity of anybody that's involved in this sort of public apology business. Um because I just don't like I don't know what people are expecting to get out of it anymore. Like when you're telling a CBC guy okay, you must apologize for saying this on air. Like, what harm did the guy cause by saying it on air, right? Like, I don't see what the actual we, harm it's was. Not, we, I think we're both going from a, a position where uh, Palestine is not an offensive concept. Right. But, I mean, I'm saying that, like, I think that people, like, these people are just trying to publicly show you that like you're gonna get publicly bitch slapped if you yeah if you deviate from the party line and like i'm wondering like you know when people capitulate and they make these apologies they're just kind of like agreeing to that system but then the problem is is like they're they're employees and so if they don't agree to that system they're gonna get fired so then it's like mm -hmm. what are we gonna do <laughs> what is to be done like how do we raise or how do we lower the stakes of just saying shit that's like that's what's getting to me we're putting this on you listeners leave a comment mm -hmm. leave a comment it could be a ubi it could be it could be you who leaves the comment that saves the world mm -hmm. it could be your voice is valuable etc cetera, etc cetera. so so you were watching uh, Little Women last night. How was yeah, that? Yeah, what a star-studded cast. I only got halfway, but it's a great movie. Um, do you know how to pronounce I don't know. No, I don't know if it's a great movie. It's a good movie with a great cast and nice costumes. Wow, I sound kind of good right now. I just, I just looked up <laughs> the person, you know, the really cute girl's name? Darcy? Okay, apparently it's pronounced Searsha. Oh, fuck. Okay, Searsha? I went down to the drum and I saw Shasha. Okay. It's like, it sounds like a like a parody. I'm like, I don't hear a shark saying a shark, 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 shark. Oh, God. Rest in peace, Philip McShane. But, yeah. Let's have a moment of silence for every Irish person who's died. 
Don't you dare interrupt this moment of silence if you're listening. If you do, you hate all dead Irish people. Let's let's it start. It reminds again. me of that tragedy. <laughs> okay, I think I did my bit. Okay. What were we talking about? Sirsha Ronan. I can't believe that's how you say her name. I know. So anyway, she's so cute. I know it's um, insane. Like wow, she should come on the pod. Makes me feel like the Radiohead song "Creep." Well, she's, she's it makes me cry. <laughs> she's a year older than us, so it's that's not, it, eh? Damn. Yeah, yeah. Very cute lady. I have so much work to do, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I really, I, I, I also was one of the rare people that enjoyed Ladybird. Who? Okay, leftists don't like Ladybird. That's basically what I'm going to take away from that. Was it leftists? I don't I, know. It must be those fucking leftists. I, I just I'm saw joking, but also it's such a good movie. Maybe they just didn't go to Catholic school, so it wasn't relatable. Yeah, I think it a, was so relatable. It was so relatable to yeah. <laughs> How did you not like that movie? Leave a comment. Yeah, I really I liked it a lot, and I thought like. Yeah, as a girl that went to Catholic school, I was like, wow, this is so perfect. And, like, her angst and everything. It was just, like... Maybe they found her character insufferable. I See, I loved her character. I was like... Oh, I thought thought she was, like, both both insufferable, like, as adolescents can be, and... and, But that was kind of, like, the point. Like, she's a good creative person, but she's, like, an insufferable teenager. And those things can coexist. Maybe... hmm, Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. I think people see the insufferable teenager thing as like if you're too if you're twenty it like burns you you know what I mean if yeah. you're twenty years old you're not far away enough yet and I hate when people do this but I have to conclude that people who didn't like it are not that mature <laughs> no just you kidding, don't like right? my favorite <laughs> you movie you don't like Lady Bird you're Nazi <laughs> oh dear. That's right. You heard it here first. Uh, you heard it here first. I'll raise you up on eagle's wings. The other thing about staying away from politics, like I've been doing, is I don't even know how to be shocking anymore. Uh oh. I, like, I for me, it's comforting to both know the narrative I should follow and mm-hmm. exactly how to get the optimal reaction. But I'm losing track of both. Maybe that's just aging. I don't know. Either way. It was a national tragedy. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, okay, I was thinking about this, about like following a narrative. And this is something that I actually hate about politics is like, and we all do it because it's, it could be due to your like metabolic efficiency thesis. But for instance, like sometimes someone will follow me on Twitter and then I'll like kind of notice their name and then I'll be like, okay, I want to see if they're worthy of, like, following back, and then I'll look and see who follows them, like, of my followers. Okay, I'm judging you, but obviously that'd be efficient, you know? But, yeah, it's, like, a useful heuristic, because I'm, like, okay, if other people I, like, follow them, then they're probably worth it, Mm -hmm. and then, but then it becomes, like, such a stupid thing where then, like, you feel like you can't contest um, certain things within your narrative or within your group of people, and this is kind of what I hated about, like, campus politics when I was in university is like there's kind of like and it's not just in campus when I was a libertarian it was the same thing like there's mm-hmm. a set of politics and this is a view that we all share and that's what our community is united around and then there are certain things that like if you question then people are like oh so you're not really a libertarian then. Oh, or like 
Oh, really? so you're not the, really never, leftist. Maybe I've never met, like, the, the university libertarians. I've only met, like, the Reddit libertarians. Well, so, like, I mean, I used to go to a lot of conferences, right? And, like, there would be a lot of debate. Oh, fuck. You know what I just realized? Sorry, mm-hmm. keep going. Um, no, I just realized that, like, you know, they everyone, every sort of ideology wants there to be a party line. And I think there's a tension here because I think every ideological group values two things. So first they value having a party line and party discipline, but then they also value self-criticism. Um, like that's, you know, something that a lot of leftists and libertarians and all kinds of people have written about. We need to be critical of ourselves. Um, but the problem is, is then like, if you are critical of yourselves and you're accused of not following the ideological line, you're not, not seen as ideologically pure enough anymore. Horse. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's a problem because I think we do need to be able to challenge orthodoxies because we are always learning more information and we're always learning new things. And so we have to kind of be open to the idea that we could have believed something incorrect at one point mm-hmm. and that's fine mm-hmm. and i think if we lower the cost lower the stakes of being wrong then it's not going to be as big of a deal if we're just like i once thought this and now i don't how how, how do we do that i don't know man leave a comment <laughs> <laughs> i think like in terms of within social groups people have to stop being cowardly and like yeah but that's the conclusion i come to too but i know and it's hard because it's like you can't just be like stop being cowardly you know um and then and then, and then you look at what happened to like for example norm yeah well he didn't follow like the academics line right like when you're in academia there's a certain way you have to behave yeah. and i mean even like the, i was watching an interview with we're talking about norm finkelstein there was an interview with him um where the guy starts criticizing the way that Norm writes. And they're like, well, the way you write, like, it's a bit polemical, you know, you sound a little bit unprofessional because you call these people thugs. It's almost a hint that they know he's right. Well, so so then they would say that, and then Norm would say, okay, but what about the content? Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, well, the content's not what I'm concerned about. It's that, like, you know, you want to be taken seriously, and you're speaking like this. Mm-hmm. And then Norm was like, well, in all these works of political theory, theory, whether it's like Rousseau or whatever, they all have their own polemical writing styles. And so like, what matters is my message. It doesn't matter how I put it. It's like, okay. I want you yeah, to, yeah. to talk about my content. And I think that is very unappealing in academia because they want you to follow a certain stylistic and like formal way uh so like let's let's talk about my what was once my favorite um my favorite type of woo some people have astrology when i was 19 i was really into typology which was Mm -hmm. like it was a it was a metabolically efficient way to try and understand people but it it really just turned into me being dismissive of people if that makes sense i don't know how to solve that but i'm sure everyone has that problem Mm -hmm. but there, there are temperaments that are like isfj hitler's temperament for example the isfj uh, not all of you guys. I'm not trying to throw shade, but like, they, like they, they literally invest a degree of their self-esteem in supporting institutions that give them comfort, and 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 being the guardian of 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 hierarchy and 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fuck. Guardians, uh-huh. guardians of, of protocol. Right. And, and, and that we actually do, even though that sounds so uncool to me and you and probably most of our listeners, we, it does take all sorts. And so we need to find a way to integrate those people. I sound very patronizing, but because my first instinct is like, who the fuck is so invested in tone? Right. Who, who do you think is invested in tone? And that's how I came to that whole. Scene. Yeah. I mean, I do think a lot of people are. I think the Academy, like, the Academy is extremely invested in tone. Why? Um, I don't even know. I think like part of it is to weed people out. Um, the dissidents? Are you going hard on the Academy? No, not even necessarily the dissidents. It's just like it makes putting stuff out more tiresome. And so then you might just be like, you know what, I'm not going to bother. Um, but like, isn't that effectively weeding out the dissidents? Not necessarily, but like, I'll give you an example. Like, I think, for instance, the purpose of something like the LSAT, which I wrote last year, um, that is not necessarily to see who's the smartest at law. It's not even a law exam, but it's a, it's something that you have to put time and effort into, and so that will deter a lot of people from applying to law school, which makes their less applications to have to look through. And similarly, when you're publishing in academia, there's a lot of like instructions and protocols you have to follow. Like even me, I didn't submit something because there were all these guidelines. And I was like, I don't want to go through my essay again. And like, remember MLA or like that type of formatting that you used to have to do? Do you still have to do that? Yeah, you still have to. to oh, okay. To I thought do, that was being phased out. I don't do MLA though. I use Chicago, but okay. yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things and um i think though you know you don't want to sound disagreeable i think one of the things is that like norm was under um scrutiny for is like he'd call people like thugs and like gangsters and whatever and like Mm -hmm. uh extortionists and stuff Mm -hmm. which is like usually when you're criticizing someone you're just like my interlocutor what did he call alan dershowitz can we say his name yeah um i don't know like i like but i just mean like in general it's just not well people civility is is beneficial to everybody Mm -hmm. generally yeah i mean it is um but but then we're all like our reaction is like no fuck that (laughs) like i get it but also right no yeah for sure I, Check, I think all checks and balances, classic kind of like cliche. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, into checks, but I'm not so into balances. There's a lot of things like that I think prevent, or there's a lot of norms, and some norms that we have are not necessarily rational. We just keep them around because we're comfortable with them. But, okay, if you want to talk about religion, I think some of these norms have incredible value that we're still only beginning to see the value yeah. well like and you know human action is always like 200 years later we're like oh fuck global <laughs> warming is an example like oh fuck we didn't know about this but it's fine i guess i mean even if people who are inventing engines knew about global warming they would probably still have done everything that they did because it was beneficial to them in the moment right yeah i agree um no i just mean that there's some norms like social norms or behavioral norms and like we might not know like the root of them but we just do it because like mm-hmm. 
you're socially rewarded for certain behaviors and socially condemned for others. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of them make sense and maybe some of them don't, you know, mm-hmm. and like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. That's my two cents on that. Um, and other news. I just, I read this feminist article the other day about how a strawberry dress was fascist. I think I sent that to you. Um, Fuck, I didn't read it. (laughs) It was probably for the best. I wanted to kill myself. Um, (laughs) My favorite is drones, like, are queering bodies. I'm going to kill myself and it's your fault! Literally, if you just look up Google and then read the abstract. It's, like, literally the most incomprehensible thing I've ever read. It's fucked. It's insane. Did you read it? The drones are queer bodies thing? Yeah. yeah. Or no, they cause yeah. queer disorientation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking what about the those What does that even mean? How is, how is queerness inherently disorienting? <laughs> how are drones queer? That's the thing. Uh, it's all insane. Um, but That's offensive. To, actually, that's an incredibly offensive thesis to queer people, that they're inherently like disorienting. Drones. Yeah, well, I think, you know... No, I'm just smiling and playing the game, but... Just riffing, yeah. Um, Well, there's this article, and it was basically saying that this dress, if it's worn on thin people, it looks fascist. But if you are fat, there was, like, a fat model named Tess Holiday. I don't know if you know who she is. Why, you assume she's in my, like, spank bank? (laughs) Yeah, honestly, whenever there's a model or a porn store, I'm like, this can know who she is. Tess, Um, look, now I'm gonna need some sauce. Uh, Tess Holiday. Wait. She's a model. She's, like, a plus-size model. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a legitimate BBW. (laughs) Um, I just learned what that meant the other day, guys. Ken has been educating, Ken has been educating me. (laughs) um yeah okay yeah it's a fascist statement no but so if you're a bbw and you wear it then it's not subversive then it then it doesn't look fascist what does look fascist mean and i was like by allah if you call this journalism i swear i will where where was this article posted it was in jezebel of course um we're literally we we are picking off the lowest fruit but it has to be done the lowest strawberry (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no it's i mean it's not okay well now i look into it because didn't coco chanel design things for the nazis oh did she but like i don't honestly i don't give a shit like she just Mm. probably needed the business you know i'm pro business no just kidding that's awful Um, i mean she looks cute in this dress for sure um like i think we're looking at a different article the only oh, person the who looks one, good but... in the TikTok strawberry dress is Tess Holiday. She looks cute. She has big tits. I'm jealous. Um, you're literally just being, you're literally like sucking a fat person's dick. This is fucking stupid. The article or me? No, no, sorry. The article, not you. Oh, okay. I'm like, just, just saying literally boobs everyone, look good in the dress. Oh, but... you're saying Tess Holiday's boobs look good in the dress. In that dress, yes. But the article, I think, is very silly. And I'm like, why are you publishing this? And a supposedly feminist website, as it calls itself. Um, the virility of fascists. I'm getting kind of aroused. Um, <laughs> Stassa Edwards. Um, 
I just I don't this is, get this it. This is this is academicizing so much subjectiveness. Mm-hmm. And just because this doesn't this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like I could see this being a satire, but yeah, I don't really get it. I don't get like what the point of it is, and I think it just shows that like nowadays in journals or like websites or whatever they just want articles that people are going to click on like well there's no point in publishing something like this and i was just like i'm i'm forced to be such like a a conservative boomer here but it's almost like the less sense you can make while being indignant the more the upset people i'm i'm not the first but i just keep coming across this phenomenon because right. it's affecting, it's affecting, even if, like, I was sophisticated, I wouldn't remark on it anymore, but it, like, it will start affecting our lives more and more if we're all cowards and we just bow down to indignation in institutions. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, well. Oh, jeez. No, it's true, I think. Like, it's just, a, it's an outrageous headline. Like, I saw it. <laughs> a friend sent it to me. And so the headline's like, okay, yeah, sure, she looks good in this dress, whatever. But then it like the the Twitter caption was like, this dress looks fascist on skinny people, and I'm kind of like, oh, it was a Twitter comment. No, the website just okay, send me the article. Tweeted its own article, and I was just like, oh Jesus Christ. Um. Can I read the paragraph? That's my favorite. Yeah. It makes sense that this dress is popular on TikTok because it, highly, it is highly impractical for everyday wear, but photographs very well. Imagine a brisk wind blowing across the waifish body of some rando on social media, catching the pleats of this garment in its crosshairs. I don't know. I don't even know what the fuck she's describing. Uh, oh, the wind is catching the pleats. Beautiful, evocative, glamorous, twee. I don't know what fucking twee means. I thought it meant like cute music, like Claro. But also, yeah, doesn't it mean that? See, so they're just like using. I love when journalists use semi vague, obscure words in like an incorrect way because no one is going to call them on it. And they'll just, it, it sows doubt in the viewer's mind that they're like, it's like a form of gaslighting almost. Much like the ubiquitous nap dresses from Instagram companies like Hill House and the preponderance of square neck tops meant to center the breasts and clavicle, Matoshi's tool confections are updated costumes for a 1950s starlet. Think Judy Holiday swanning about a soundstage and the bells are ringing. On thinner bodies, the dress skews a tiny bit fascist. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's just, it's such, it's a, such a Maybe we're making a mountain. <laughs> well, it's the a cheap language. You should be bound from speaking or writing. <laughs> it's just like part of the cheapening of the word fascist, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just... It's, it's unacceptable. Are we, honestly, are we making a mountain out of? Because that's the thing when you when you get when you get upset about something cultural, one of the things that's hard to fight is the sophist. It looks very sophisticated to say, "Oh, you're making a mountain of a molehill." It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But I'm gonna say that we're going in a bad direction. And I'm gonna tie this into cowardice being rewarded in institutions like oh here it comes from the white man universities like cnn like the list goes on well i think you know this is a good point made 
I literally can't remember who made this point. It was like on one of the podcasts I listened to. So if you're one of the podcasts I listened to and you made this point, I'm sorry. Um, but the point being made was that like right now journalists are being like very heavily laid off. Oh, it was, I think oh, it was, I think it was really? Glenn Greenwald who made this point. Um, yeah, so journalists are being like laid off because of the transition from like print media to like digital media. And so if you're a journalist, you're actually disincentivized from publishing something that's going to make you a liability. So you mm-hmm. don't want to publish stuff that's going to make too many people mad. So that just, that disinfects. Wait, 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 though. If you, but there you make is, the wrong people mad. I mean. Who, like who, who's the wrong people? Depends who your magazine's audience is, right? Like if you're writing for Breitbart, oh, okay. you don't want to write something Marxist. If you're writing for, or if you don't want to write something critical of their line or the line of the readers, if you're writing for, and this is an issue in a lot of leftist media because there's a kind of divide right now where, you know, a lot of leftists are challenging a lot of identitarian liberal orthodoxy that's part of a lot of other leftist politics. And the problem is, is leftist media appeals to the widest audiences when it's identitarian because then it also reaches liberals as well. Or is it also just like so personal to people that everyone clicks on it and is like immediately angry? Mm-hmm. So so questioning that line of orthodoxy is like not, Glenn was saying, because he runs a paper, it's, it's not wise um, and it's not lucrative. Yeah. So basically if you don't have enough fuck you money, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to be, or if you're a journalist, you're not going to be incentivized to a question the orthodoxy in your circles, whatever circle that may be. Mm-hmm. And B, you're not going to be uh, incentivized to write something that's going to make you a liability to your employer. So it has to do, I think, with precarity, which is very sad. So, so, so journalists are getting laid off. But can we can we safely say that? Oh no, we can't say that. I was gonna try and say something like the integrity of journalism is dying. Can we say that? Am I allowed? Anybody- I don't even think so. Like I used to say that a lot. But now, like, when I look at journalism from, like, 100 years ago, it's yeah, that's sensationalist yeah. garbage. Well, I haven't even read it. I've just, like, been cynically adjusted my expectations of, like, you know, people. Right. Not that I'm, well, like, it's, better, it's but. Just, it's weird because you see the same kind of patterns of sensationalism. Um, but I think what does happen when it's digital is that you, do, don't, you don't need as many employees. Oh, uh, we should try and sort of, we should get some clickbait money. It'd be so unethical, but I'm like, I'm, I'm in a horror mode, honestly. I'm, I'm, what if we, and then you we can always claim we were being food. ironic. No, no, I mean like we should actually write articles for BuzzFeed. <laughs> Ma, no, BuzzFeed isn't a poison brand. We need, we need to start a website. Yeah. Freespeech.com. Freeze peach frozenpeach.com well our friends at twink rev started their own site and they're so it's been doing it's really cool like i really respect what they're doing they're publishing a lot of unorthodox stuff that's like let's leftists challenge other leftists like they let me publish an article that challenged a lot of uh, leftist orthodoxy and trauma um they've published like a critique of only fans recently they've published 
there's a really cool article in it recently about um, why liberals hate poor white people um, and just stuff like that. And so I think that like, that's really cool. I think, you know, I would encourage people to pitch to Twink Row, mm -hmm. our friends of the pod. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm always hesitant to be like, this thing used to be good and now it's not. Because <laughs> I think that it's easy to view something as good, as better when you're not in that moment of time or that period. Um, and, you know, once you are, I don't know, it's just always easier to romanticize things that you're not currently experiencing. They, they used to say that on 4chan. Oh, 4chan used to, was good four years ago. <laughs> and then someone would inevitably say 4chan was never good. <laughs> well, people do that a lot with different things, depending on what it is, right? Like, they do that with musicians. Oh, like, when your band gets too big, it's like, oh, yeah. band base used to be so good. Yeah, and I think, you know, okay. here's, here's kind of hey. my hot... Oh, sorry. Go on. No, no. You have a take. Here's my hot take. Take it away. Because I think throughout time, throughout history, um, and if you start an essay with that, you're always penalized. So I'm sorry for saying that, but that's so funny. Throughout history. <laughs> Wait, what's I, wrong with it? Um, it's I shouldn't like, derail, but I want to know it the. It sounds kind of stupid. Yeah, but it's probably a cliche for a reason. All right, I have a, a weird defensive cliches. Keep going. To be uh, fair. So I think that we've all been subjected to the same vices over time, but we've had different mediums to like exercise and release these vices. So Wait, makes, whoa. Sorry, so, keep going. I'm such a dick right now. Go. No, so it kind of makes us think that, um, you know, things were better at one point or worse at one point, and now it's better in this like arbitrary point in time. And it's just like, we just keep having these different ways to indulge our vices. And so they, they just are different. They're not necessarily like better or worse. It's just that like, we have different ways of releasing the different valves, you know? Which, what's a, I didn't even know you believed in vices, honestly. I'm going to be a dickhead, but I didn't know. I thought it was all like arbitrary shame. But I thought that was kind of the left thing. Like, it's not actually bad. It's just like, you're just ashamed of it because people want to control you. And I, I sound like I'm being silly, but I think I'm being serious here. I think that's like Foucault, some strand of like Foucauldianism, but I wouldn't say that's like left, so to speak. Okay. Um, no, I think obviously vice is, is real. And I think, you know, there are some leftist theorists and leftist virtue theorists like McIntyre or, um, you know, just lefties in general, who mm -hmm. definitely think that we are subject to vice and and I, I, I would think it would be weird to not say that we are. Um, well, yeah, I guess. Because, because like, all the oppressive institutions and stuff. Well, it's not even just that. It's just like we are, like we are victims of our appetites in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, it's really though. Yeah. Okay. So, which vices do you think we all have? I just want to stick your brain here. Um. So I think like lack of charitability is a huge vice because we want to just make an assumption about something as quickly as we can mm -hmm. and not learn Probably about safer it. to assume someone wants to kill you in mm -hmm. yeah metabolically 
metabolically efficient but yeah <laughs> that's gonna become a meme <laughs> i just think uh, a lack of discipline is like a vice so like whether oh, that lack of discipline is manifested through not making an effort to someone learn someone would call you a fascist for saying that <laughs> i can picture it i'm sure someone that. will okay sorry yeah, i know no going. i'm sure but like you know there's nothing wrong with having discipline i think that's a really great quality to have you know not just in like there are areas in which I have it and I'm happy to have it like with working out. And then there's areas where I don't have it. Really? You seem so fucking disciplined to me. What's the area? If you don't, if you can say I think I'm like so bad at like studying. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Like I have a hard time like staying focused when I start studying. Okay. This is a common misconception. I think people have about practice is that it's like uninterrupted and perfect. I used to feel so much guilt when my practice wasn't, you know what I mean? Right. I just mean like, you know, even when I was studying for the LSAT, like I put off studying for it until like a month before, which is like not, you shouldn't do that. Um, and like, yeah, it's just like, I just put stuff off a lot and like, I don't, I get like, I lose focus a lot when I study. Um, and that's like a skill that you have to work on. And I think that like we lack discipline in a lot of ways and one in political discourse we lack it in like our unwillingness to read and like just look at what our opponents have to say because instead what's more metabolically efficient for us to use your terminology is to have people we like explain what our opponents think to us rather That's than literally just hearing from the part of my source. podcast it all ties back it, t- it ties it because like when i first discovered podcasts saying things that i like like mm-hmm. the weinstein brothers and i'm a big fan of seamus coleman or what's his name coleman hughes seamus coleman is a right back for everton uh <laughs> i'm sure that's like very unfashionable but but then i started to realize it was people i liked saying things that i already believed right and that that and then and then i stopped saying things that i believed and uh where but it's, that's that? that's like the easiest thing and it's not like i don't like necessarily fault it i think that like disciplining oneself is hard even for me like sometimes i get annoyed when i put on people i don't like you know mm. i still want to hear there's what so much that i hate too so yeah I I there's it. so many things that annoy me <laughs> um and so i mean honestly if i don't like it i try to read it rather than listen to it yeah. sometimes it's like the intonation or something yeah um like if it's a woman it sounds shrill and if it's like a man it just sounds like gross or something um, <laughs> at least you're ba- you're presenting your biases as balanced yeah um <laughs> no but i just you know like essentially it's just yeah i try to like say read someone's book so like i read jordan peterson's book or i read ben shapiro's i just read his new book um like i really? try to keep in t- like keep in the loop of what i don't people bad are for my saying. mental health so does that make me like a bad person no i don't think like i think people really try hard to like write people off as like good or bad people i just think that it's valuable to discipline you yourself stop that conversation when 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 someone is saying to you like haha how about this loser right and and you don't really want it to get into a big proxy argument about that person like, mm-hmm. which is a proxy for, like, values and, like, everything. Yeah. How do, you, how do you be, like, well, to be, what do you say, to be fair or something? Or what do you say? I mean, there's a lot of people whose work I like that some people in my communities don't like. Yeah. Um, and, like, I've just been, like, look, I think they have been, especially, like, anti-war people, like, pe- like 
kind of the pod Ben Norton and his colleagues um like there and in some ways it's like political suicide to reference them um but i i i i've shared their work and sometimes people will you know say like how dare you and my point is like look if there's a factual point in this article that you would like to dispute i would love to discuss it with you um yeah because like i don't believe in using people's personalities as like proxies for what they're reporting on or what they're saying you know no i know but I find it in every, I can't think of a society or podcast where that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think it's, but that's what I think, I think it's a human vice. Okay, perfect. That's what we were talking about, vices. Yeah, but I think, you know, it's a good, it's like a vice that's worth trying to work against. What, What do you think about, what is your first, what is the worst human vice? So I think unwillingness to understand one another is actually a very terrible human vice. But I think it re- would really depend on a few things because, for instance, I think that not taking care of yourself oh, fuck. is also bad for because, like, caring for yourself is one of the most important things, right? Like, so if you're not, if you're able to exercise and you don't, I think that's like a vice. Um, fat shaming. No, I'm not like you can be fat. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm be not, fat like, people need to lose weight. You're disgusting. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Okay, well, you can say it because why can I say it? Because I don't talk have to, No, because you always say that you're fat. But when I say I'm fat, people are like, or that I, I'm not fat right now, but like I have been fat before. I wonder if there's some kind of angle. Now I'm being really weird and rude, but like it's like I identify as fat, and you fat people are disgusting. <laughs> like that test model would be healthier if she lost some weight. <laughs> Sure, but like I don't care about her health. Like it doesn't really affect me. I do. Me. I care nice. about everybody. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's not that. Like for me, it's more like I think that it's a vice in the sense that I think one, like it's something that, like it's good for you to be good to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I think, um, that's a kind of ethic that was big in like Aristotelian ethics, and that's kind of been lost in modern ethics, where we think that ethics is only about treating others well. And well, I that's, think... that's kind of a Catholic thing is like mm-hmm. being a martyr and like poverty that, right. that oh, fuck the, the, the weird places people went with the poverty ideal. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure it ties into like master slave and all that. I've but actually I'm, written I'm, an article on that. So. Yeah. I, th- I think we, can you summarize? I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. So my point was that like the influence of like Jesus and St. Francis of Assisi um, are mistook or like, seem to have been aligned with like a socialist analysis when like uh we should opt for a marxist analysis which actually condemns this fetishization of wealth or sorry fetishization of poverty and um that we shouldn't moralize wealth that this is not like a moralist issue it's actually like we should just like analyze things and think about human freedom and instead of thinking about like these individual wealthy people and like saying that wealth is inherently virtuous or vicious Mm -hmm. um which is something that like and i argued that our tendency to think this way comes from uh the traditions of saint francis of assisi and jesus yeah my instincts are so unfashionable i actually like mm, no i like i like which which is i i think it's only 50 percent of myth but i like the idea of a self-made wealthy person 
Right. Yeah. I do. I do assert that there is some degree of meritocracy. Let's say in North American capitalism. Right. Like I'm certainly not going to be a CEO. You know what I mean? Like right now, maybe with 20 years of growth. Mm-hmm. And that's a, <laughs> that's okay. You know what? I, you know what I'm saying though. Yeah, and I mean, again, like I really don't like this fixation on like individual rich people because I don't really think it really matters. I think it's more about like what opportunities does the system give people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like fun to like dunk on them on Twitter if they're being stupid though. But that's only get, them, like boring. when people say dunk on, I get like PTSD. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I gonna be like a hermit if I'm like this at 25? I'm just gonna have to kill myself. Aww. We we can edit that out if that's too far. I'm going to kill myself. But it's, your <laughs> fault. It's, it's nobody's fault. It's <laughs> for the best. No, just kidding. Uh, how long have we gone? Is anyone? Is anyone still listening? It's not live. No, but I mean, how long have we gone? Oh, like almost an hour and a half. If you listen to the whole podcast, give it, leave a comment. <laughs> yeah, uh, good job, everybody. This is uh, this is like a chaotic discussion, but yeah, it was fun. Um, I definitely think this vice thing is worth exploring. I have a virtue ethicist. Wait, yeah, yeah. I wanted I to get thinking of bringing on. So I wanted to get your entire. How do we? How do we? How do we direct the podcast when our guests kind of just want to shit talk people? How do we? How do we fucking move away from that? I don't have the skill set yet. <laughs> it's, it's inevitable, and it's been multiple people. Mm-hmm. But like, how do we? Like, literally, I'm asking you, how do we do that? I don't know. I kind of like to just let people say what they have to say. Oh, you're so untriggered. You're such an unflappable millennial. I'm too old for this game, it feels like. You're literally like a week older than me. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like my like soul or something. I don't know. Fun fact about the pod, guys, Ken is no, you're not Ken is nine days older than me. Some nine days of true age. Are you Aquarius gang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both yeah, Aquarius. I, I, I knew you were, yeah. This is a very Aquarius podcast. We had like one episode, one of our episodes with Noah, and that was a triple Aquarius pod. Damn. The most, dr- that, that was the groping for truth. That was a good app. Mm-hmm. You're really good at naming the episodes. Okay, but I want, I want to hear your entire vision of ethics. Like, can okay. you lay it all out for us? Oh, God. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've had really changing ethical views over the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of a pluralist and a particularist at the same time. What does that even um, mean? Okay, so there's like two sorts of, like there's monism and there's pluralism. So monism says that there's only one factor that can make an action right or wrong. And a pluralist will say there are numerous factors that can make an action right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So for a monist, like a consequentialist is a monist because they'll say like just like the actions consequences are the only thing that can make an action right or wrong uh-huh. which i don't agree with because i think intention actually does play a role so yeah um i am like kind of inclined to some version of virtue ethics in the sense that i do believe that like ethical behavior is habitual mm-hmm but then also I'm kind of a particularist in the sense that I don't think that it's 
easy to create a generalizable ethical theory that would apply to all circumstances at all times. So I think mm -hmm. like there could be something like that's ethical in one scenario that might not be ethical in another context. And so like there are some so things that I think just can't be generalizable ethically, like lying. So. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's, but I also think that like, I'm also kind of like, there's a kind of moralism in politics that I don't like, so. Yeah, that's not a good word. It doesn't give me good vibes. <laughs> oh man, but. Yeah, I mean, but I like specifically, go through it. Like, if you were, if if ethics are real and you're gonna take charge of the Catholic Church and you're gonna tell everyone what they should and shouldn't do, like mm -hmm. you have like a, like a, like, um, what is the worst? So the worst sin is murder. I don't know. I don't even view it in that sense. Like, I don't view ethics as in, like this is the worst sin and this is the best sin. I think that's like a very like, I was going to say a very Catholic way, but it's not even. Um, but yeah, I don't see it as like in that term, so to speak. Um, I do think ethics are real. Um, I don't agree with, like, I'm not like a full Nietzschean or postmodernist that's like, this is all just like a power game or whatever. And yeah. I think that humans instinctively know that ethics are real. Um, oh, sounding okay. Because like there are things that we talk about that are like personal to us versus like the way that we talk about things that are personal to us is always different than uh, what we talk about that like impact other people. So like my opinion on like my personal preferences, that's not like, like that doesn't really create like a real can, like I'm speaking about something that just pertains to me, you know? Okay. Yeah. But there are some things that I'll speak about where like I instinctively create an expectation of others and create a responsibility right. for others and to myself. Yeah. And so I think like we just have this instinct where like we know that it's true and real and maybe uh -huh. it's not like an essential thing in nature. Maybe it's not material but it's mm -hmm. like real in our human imaginary. And to me, that's real enough. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like well, real enough, mm -hmm. real enough for what? To kind of have expectations of other people that are ethical expectations or to make ethical judgment or responsibility that I've like created. Yeah. Um, and that's not, maybe that's not like an essentially real or material thing, but I think it's real enough. And so, and similarly, like to have expectations of other people. Oh, but I just, what do you mean by real? Like it's real in the sense that, because I think a lot of, I think religion has made us think that like real is something that like Divinely God ordered. has, yeah, has like willed upon us. But there are like social relations oh! and expectations that are real. Yeah, like, I have a I have a I have a distinction to make about the god willing. Like I had this articulation in my head that ethics are actually real in the same sense the physical world is real. We just yeah. perceive them almost like we perceive some of the effects in a in a fourth or fifth dimension. Like we can be kind of aware of their their effects, but we can't see them as literally. And it's mm -hmm. not like he's like 
kind of like he 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 tied the the reality of ethics into the fabric of existence yeah so that's like the aquinas that's the aquinas perspective Mm -hmm. um but i mean yeah i i think norms are real you can disagree with some of them just like you could disagree with like ethical norms the funny thing is when you start to go like um, entirely possible it's entirely as joe says when you start to actually talk philosophy in not in terms of referencing other philosophers but talking about like real you sound stupid and cliche yeah but you just got to fight that and be like what do you mean by real Mm -hmm. or you don't i don't know i feel like i should um no yeah okay i guess like what i mean is like there are things that we have like we mold materials to suit our purposes like this can is not inherently a white claw can but it's like functioning as a white claw can and so it's really a white claw can even though it's not like inherently a white claw can is this like the chair of Wittgenstein thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think... You wouldn't want to put it in a tube. <laughs> the universe isn't really in a tube, but you can put it in a tube. So if it's functioning as a tube, <laughs> the universe is um, really in a tube. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I get that on the soundboard. I know. You wouldn't want to put it in a tube. Um yeah i mean okay i'm gonna i'm sounding really dumb right now so no no but when you talk fundamental philosophy and you're not like impressing other people by referencing other philosophies and having a novel take i think you sound kind of dumb yeah people do like that's just how it goes it's fundamental reality (laughs) um yeah i mean i don't know i think like i just i think ethics are real it's fine that they're real they're cool and good and i don't think that we should i don't think it's good to like dispose of the idea that ethics are real but i think that it's like i kind of simultaneously believe that they're real but that like the way that we think they should be manifest is impacted by our surroundings and that we should still question our conceptions of ethics because we might not have them entirely correct because it could be under the oh obviously yeah of ideology <laughs> and so it, it is. Ideology. <laughs> and so i mean yeah like that's why i'm kind of like it's real but it's like there's like there's like a real and not real component uh, dichotomy <laughs> I guess it, it just depends about what you mean is real because like when I used to think real I would think like again like bestowed by God and so when I read Brothers Karamazov and I was an atheist and it was like there's no God everything's permitted I was like oh fuck like I was having an existential crisis I never understood that we've talked we talked about that so much when we were like 20 yeah I never really understood what you were getting at and I was like no it can't yeah can't i don't be permitted. <laughs> can you explain again one more time one more time um yeah no i guess my so like when i was a youngin um not even that young but i read brothers karamazov which is a great book you should all read it mm-hmm. um and like one of the big things is like the atheist in the book is tortured because he's like there's no god then everything is permitted and he's kind of saying like you know 
um, without God, like society wouldn't have, like if no one believed in God, then like society wouldn't have been what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it kind of reminds me of that like Paglia quote or Paglia, sorry, um, where she says like, uh, for Christopher Hitchens, God is not great. For me, God is the greatest thing ever invented. Um, and it's like, you know, you think that. <laughs> Funny so thing I, about that quote, it's like, so you believe in God? No, you fucking retard. <laughs> right, keep going, keep going. It's just a good invention, okay? <laughs> Idiots. Um, <laughs> uh, but but I was just kind of like, okay, well, if I don't believe in God, then I can't make ethical claims. And then I was like kind of tortured about that because I was like, I want to make ethical claims. Um, like I want ethics to be real. Um, and then I kind of like grew out of it and I was like, wait, no, like ethics can be real without there being God. Like it's just not real in like the way that I conceived of real. Yeah, very tough to articulate. Yeah, and I probably am not articulating it well, so I apologize. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my mm-hmm. my journey, so to speak, on ethics. I really love Brothers K. I kind of like maybe I'll do like just we should do like an episode on it. We should do an audiobook recording. Oh my god. I've already read like one Christian audiobook. It was like for like oh yeah he tells the story one day he'll come on for like a yeah um yeah i don't I'm know scared how. of speaking publicly because everyone shames him Aww. that's that's all? sad hey we have to admit that when we see public examples of people being scared to, to speak publicly because people are like in bad faith being too sensitive that has real consequences for the richness of our culture yeah it's not good it's just like okay here's the thing about like personal testimony right is like some women will say like i uh as a woman i'm afraid to like live on the ground floor of an apartment or i'm afraid to walk outside past like 8 p.m or something and then Mm -hmm. other people will say like well that's just ridiculous because like that's it's not dangerous and like other women do it you know mm-hmm. and and i, I kind of see a parallel between those two discourses even though those two sides like might not yeah, yeah 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 um, okay whereas, yeah like, he's basically limitations- a pussy is what you're saying <laughs> 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 jokes 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 we love you young no young but i boy. do think like there are some personalities that are just like less afraid of saying stuff and i think sometimes people either like sometimes people will underestimate or overestimate the backlash they're gonna get yeah. um and that's just a factor. If you're a woman, you might, like, I've done it. I've, like, overestimated, like, how dangerous, like, walking somewhere would be at night. You know, like, it's just, like, you're You overestimated or underestimated? Over. Like, you just, like, you have but these again, expectations. Talking about metabolic efficiency. I know. These expectations Evolutionary are, biology. These expectations are based on very real occurrences. That's the thing. So mm-hmm. then the question is, like... In both cases, maybe like we won't like maybe it's good to just not dismiss anyone and yeah. just be like, you know, your concern might be valid and it's like based on real world events. Yeah. Or Oh fuck, so you think he shouldn't come on? <laughs> <laughs> I think he should definitely come on. I don't think he has any controversial opinions. I'm baiting you right he's now. Like, he's like the least controversial person in the world. 
and your your brother too honestly i know he's literally like so there's so much fun i know i know it's very sad um but i think maybe one day maybe they'll hear all of our spicy guests and be like i kind of doubt it jordan be like oh norm finkelstein (laughs) come on now (laughs) oh geez yeah, invite him on for that. Ryan said he'll come on if we get Fira Sahabi. Who who's that again? He's the, he, he owns TriStar Gym. And How he do does like philosophy of science. Oh really? Yeah. So it's like oh, a little okay. bit for me, a little bit for Ryan. Yeah. Um he was the coach of George St. Pierre. Ooh, fuck. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's and we're just still one step listening, away from George. We're just one step anyone's away from George still then. listening, please yeah, hit up Fira Sahabi. Um, he's a we're fans. I'm a fan. My brother's a fan. Uh, Lebanese king in Montreal. Sounds like a chill guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it rap time? Yeah, I guess. Okay. I wonder when 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 no, you know what? Never mind. Save it for the next episode. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, Unacceptable. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, we'll do it live. I'm just kidding. We should do a live soon, though. Let's um, do a live with visitors. With visitors? Like with Collins? Oh yeah. Well, we need we need to do the Tinder bio workshop. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So. We'll do that soon. How? Yeah, we'll talk about that off air, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, right. goodbye. Peace and love. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Peace and love. love. Peace and love. Bye. Bye.